going to go back to Deuteronomy and we're on to chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we'll read a little bit about that in a few moments. Just a couple of things that I wanted to mention. And just amazing, I read something the other day and it came from a man called Dave Hunt. And he says, as Hamas grooms the next generation of killers, the world must wake up and stop pacifying its foes. He says, you hear all the time that if only the Israelis and the Palestinians would make peace, the rest of the world would follow. And what he's saying here is, is the next time you hear that, remember that the Palestinian version of Mickey Mouse preaches death to the Jews and Americans. And there can be no peace, he says, with a culture like that. And you're referring to an article about Walt Disney's gentle Mickey Mouse. That was the Palestinian equivalent of that. And the little fellow, Mickey, is called Farfur. F-A-R-F-U-R. And in the New York Daily News on Tuesday, there was a report that must have shocked many New Yorkers. Farfur sings and dances on Hamas's children's television show, Tomorrow's Pioneers. And he talks about the need to eat right, to pray, and to kill. That Hamas comprises most of the Palestinian government shows Farfar is no rogue character. It is sponsored by the very people Palestinians elected to represent them. To those who monitor the, the, the sewage, he says, spewing from Arab television, the only shock about the report is that many Americans don't grasp the depth of depravity that comes over the Palestinian television. The television, the newspapers and the internet daily urge violence in the name of Islam. Cartoons and music videos are used to brainwash children. The goal of these programs, openly stated, is to enlist children in the culture of martyrdom, to die fighting and killing the enemies of Islam. Suicide bombers are glorified and promised everlasting paradise. School textbooks fill children with dreams of a glorious death. He mentions two organizations, the Middle East Media Research Institute, the website is www.memori.org, and the Palestinian Media Watch, www.memori.org pmw.org.il They have been warning for years about the twisted nature of public discourse in Arab and Muslim countries. Their website, complete with videos and translations of materials from Muslim media, show chilling examples of the daily diet of the death culture. I looked at some of these myself actually. It's absolutely shocking to see how Arab and Iranian mainstream media promote violence and anti-Semitism. 
and they have this little Mickey Mouse guy Farfer on this children's video and he's encouraging children to get rid of the George Bush and others you know there's an organisation called Barnabas Fund and it helps people hope and aid for the persecuted church and they produced this leaflet which we got the other day Islam and Truth there's an interesting bit at the end of this there's a whole lot of interesting stuff in the whole leaflet but I haven't time to read it all but just this, this final bit it says we cannot end this brief look at the subject of Islam and truth without considering why Muslims so often break agreements they make with non-Muslims amongst Islam's detailed rules for conducting wars are rules about making peace treaties Muslims are allowed to make temporary peace treaties with non-Muslims but only if this is advantageous for the Muslims such treaties should preferably not last more than 10 years when circumstances change so that it becomes advantageous to the Muslims to break the treaty they must do so having given due warning of their intention goes on to say that there are modern liberal Muslims who would like to see a change to the classical Islamic doctrine in the form of the possibility of making permanent peace treaties with non-Muslims some of these however say that permanent peace should be conditional on non-Muslims submitting to the Islamic State which is really no different from classical Islam others hold that the only condition necessary is that Islam may be propagated without hindrance in the other state the doctrine of breaking treaties has developed despite there being some verses in the Quran to support the keeping of treaties and promises it goes on to say according to Sheikh Abdul Rahman Abdul Khalik a Saudi Salafi scholar peace treaties with Jews are made to be broken in response to a question about the duty of a Muslim with regard to peace treaties with Jews he writes the first duty is to firmly believe in their invalidity and that because they contain invalid conditions they were born dead the very day they were given birth to the second duty of the Muslim is to believe that these treaties do not bind him and that it is not lawful for him to give effect to any of their contents except under compulsion and necessity the third duty is to work towards overthrowing these treaties Saudi Arabia's former Grand Mufti Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn also made it clear that any cessation of hostilities with Israel could only ever be a temporary measure pending the time that Muslims became strong enough to gain possession of the whole land for themselves is what he said the peace between the leader of the Muslims in Palestine and the Jews does not mean that the Jews will permanently own the lands which they now possess rather it only means that they would be in possession of it 
for a period of time until either the truce comes to an end or until the Muslims become strong enough to force them out of the Muslim lands. In the case of an unrestricted peace. While teaching like this is being promoted, it is easy to see why peace in the Middle East is proving so elusive. It goes on to say, while many Muslims are honest and open in their dealings with non-Muslims, the possibility of these rules being applied always exists. This makes it very difficult for non-Muslims to assess the reliability of statements made by Muslims to them. It is easier to be sure of what Muslims think by checking what they say to each other and what they do. It's a very difficult situation, but there we are. thought that was interesting. And, uh, so, we go on to Deuteronomy, much more helpful for us. We can get so depressed reading things like that, but we need to know about them nevertheless. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we start reading at verse 1. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, and all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Keep the commandments, then your days will be prolonged, it says. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. It's a lovely description of a land flowing with milk and honey. Is it, it, all the, something when you're a kid you, you, you can identify with that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Or the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates once again we have Moses uh, emphasizing the keeping of the commandments and the statutes and the judgments of God which he had been commanded to tell these people those which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess. Why bother to keep them? Well, these were the conditions under which God introduced the covenant. We saw 
think it was last week that the covenant that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob was unconditional that God would keep his promise but this covenant here is conditional upon the Israelites keeping God's commandments and he sets out I think four reasons why they should bother to keep these commandments the first one was that you might fear the Lord your God that you might fear him now when we say fear we think of something dreadful but it really means to respect God to hold him in godly awe God is awesome to reverence him and to honour him sadly we don't see much of that in the world today God is treated as an outsider you know I was thinking about this when I was studying it and we have why do we have today so many people who disobey the laws in the land why well I think one reason is that they have little or no respect for those who make the laws the politicians we see politicians living double lives we see whether the president of the world bank had to retire the other day and he was the president of an organization which was set up to seek to help these African countries and to get rid of the corruption in these countries that was one of the objects and he was caught out doing the same thing within his own organization and he was feathering the nest of one of his girlfriends and he was caught out and it was necessary for him to resign we saw John Major a few years ago he brought in this uh, back to basics to, to get back to morality and there he was cheating on his wife John Prescott cheating on his wife Prince Charles was cheating on Princess Di and no one bats an eyelid or seems to care but what has happened people have every right to say if they cheat on their wives will they not also cheat on the country I think the answer is yes but most people just have the, the attitude well good for them if they get away with it but the young people I believe see this they see these double standards with our politicians with those in, in authority and they're getting away with it and they say they cannot hold their elders in respect anymore and they'll do the same God has been sidelined by most people today as being irrelevant you know and then these young people they've lost respect and once you lose respect for the people who are making the laws then you won't keep those laws it's as simple as that 
all around today we see people like those Paul described so vividly in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, we've been talking about that in the Muslims, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of it, from such turn away. Keep away from these people. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins. That's what we've been talking about. Led away with diverse lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what we see around us. It's no wonder that the young people today have no respect for those older than they are. But then the wonderful thing is we have a wonderful contrast in the God we worship. We see in him a God in whom we can trust. People can't trust those in authority but we have a God that we can trust. He's unchangeable. His love is eternal. He loves us. His mercy it goes on and on. His power is unlimited. He is the total embodiment of truth. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is a father to us, his children. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He is light. And in in him there is no darkness at all. He is the father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There is no darkness in God. No variation or shifting shadow. You know, we look around today. There are many shifty shadows around. People who are hard to pin down to get a straight and honest answer I was listening <coughs> to Hague the other day and he was talking about Tony Blair and he was commending him for some of the things which he had done after his uh, announcement that he was retiring and, but Hague I, I just thought that one of the, the things he, he, he congratulated Tony Blair on he said he, he, he asked him a question at Prime Minister's press question time and he spoke Blair spoke for about 10 minutes and didn't give a straight answer. And, and that's the trouble. We, it's like eating jelly with a fork. You can, they slip and slide. But we could go on and on about our God, couldn't we? He is eternal. No shadow or shiftiness. Our God is the only one in whom we can totally place our trust and our lives. We put them into his hands. He demands our respect. We should hold him 
in godly awe, reverence and honor him. And we should obey him because we can respect him. And that was one of the reasons why Moses was giving them these commandments. That, that was the first one, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. See what a wonderful God these people had in Israel. And then it goes on to say that thy days may be prolonged if you observe them. That thy days may be long if you preserve them. That was a, a good bargain. If you keep these laws, then your days will be prolonged. And then it says that it may be well with thee. God was laying out the rules of the covenant. And the fourth one was that ye may increase mightily as the Lord thy God of the fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear therefore Israel and observe to do them that it may be well with thee that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee. What better promise could you get than that from the Lord God of heaven? What a future God was holding out for his people. Four conditions. But what was going to be the result? That they would live prosperously in the land which God had given them. What wonderful promises. But we know they blew it. They didn't keep their side of the promises. And we know eventually God took them into captivity. We saw last week that man just cannot keep God's laws by his own efforts. <laughs> I was reminded of what we used to sing up at the school when we had the club up there. I am a sheep and I like to be well fed. But like a sheep... I'm a little stupid in the head. I go astray most every day. Oh, what a problem I must be. I'm glad I have the Good Shepherd looking after me. And that's the only way we can ever hope to please God. By having the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. By having the Good Shepherd looking after us. And now we come to some verses here which are perhaps the most loved and the most important verses to a Jew. Verses quoted by our Lord in reply to questions from a scribe. And if you turn over to Matthew, uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12 and verse 28. Mark's Gospel Chapter 12 and verse 28. Mark Mark 12 and verse 28. 
there have been some discussions and Jesus has been uh, answering some questions and then one of the scribes in verse 28 came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered and said, the first of all the commandments is, hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. We'll just read on because the last little bit of this little discussion is good. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbour as himself, is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered so discreetly he said unto him thou art not far from the kingdom of God what a wonderful thing to have uh, Jesus say that to this man did you ever wonder what happened to some of these people who met with Jesus you're not far from the kingdom did he eventually become a disciple of Jesus we don't know but he wasn't far he wasn't far. Go back over to Deuteronomy. <clears throat> Verses 4 and 5 are the two verses which Jesus repeated there in Mark. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Known to the Jews as the Shema. The Shema is an affirmation, a declaration and affirming by Judaism of the faith in one God. And they still repeat this. And a Jew is obliged to repeat it every morning and every night. In Deuteronomy 7, 6 verse 7, When thou wakest, walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And they repeat this prayer, or this declaration of their faith day and night. And we look at those uh, parts of it later on. The full prayer is, of course, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and you lie down and when you wake up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And people have taken this and the Jews take these verses very literally as we shall see some other time. You know, the Orthodox Jews and the Jews of old and many Jews today take praying to God very seriously. And so should we. The strange thing, I, I looked around some things to see about this, uh, these, this prayer. And when a Jew is, Jew is praying alone, by himself, he begins this Shema with the phrase, God, faithful King. And then he goes on to pray the words of the Shema. The reason he does this apparently is to bring up the number of words he prays to 248. Which according to Jewish tradition is the number of parts of the human body. Now, I don't know where they get that. I, I didn't even start to try and count them. But they, they claim that 240 parts make up the whole human body. And the obvious, the, 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 the meaning behind this is that the worshipper is praying with his whole body and he dedicates his, her, or her whole body to serving God. A complete offering of prayer to God, of their complete self. When we come to God in prayer, do we also have such thoughts in our minds? Romans 12. What does Paul say? He says, Romans 12 in the first verse, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. If we were to pray with that wonderful thought in mind. That we are presenting our complete body as a sacrifice to God. Then we would not want to be conformed into the image of this world. But into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And there's another interesting verse in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, I think it is. Uh, 13 and verse 15. By him, by the Lord Jesus Christ, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name. To do good and to communicate, forget not, but with such sacrifices, God is well pleased and so on presenting our complete selves to God in prayer Jewish law apparently required a great measure of concentration on the first verse of the Shema hear O Israel 
the Lord our God is one. They were living in a land where there was idolatry. And we've seen that Moses was given these commandments by God to keep away from idols, to keep away from idolatry. And we are in the midst of people today who have put idols between them and God. Money, business, pleasure. These are all things which come between people and God. We're living in a land where people still do worship real idols. And there's an interesting article I read about Muhammad. In Mecca during Muhammad's day there was a temple containing 360 idols. One of which was Al-Ilah or Allah which had been recognized as the chief god of Muhammad's tribe for centuries. It was the moon god and the sign of the crescent moon that is so prominent in Islam today. The crescent, we see it all the time. It harks back to the early Arab worship of Allah as the moon god. Muhammad, it is said, received revelations, revelations that Allah was not merely a chief, a chief tribal god, but the only true god, and that he, Muhammad, was his chosen and exclusive prophet. So he picked this one out as the true God. Do you know something? We, we've said it before. Written in Arabic on the wall of the Dome of the Rock shrine on the Mount, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem are the following statements. There is no God but Allah. He has no co-partner. The Messiah Jesus, son of Mary, is but a messenger of Allah and his word which he cast upon Mary and the spirit from him so believe only in Allah and of his messenger but do not say three trinity and it will be better for you Allah is only one God far be it from his glory that he should have a son verily the religion in Allah's sight is Islam be it far from his glory that he should have a son the Allah which Islam worships does not have a son the Lord Jesus Christ the Allah they worship is not the God of the scriptures despite what the Pope would tell us when Jews were praying they would normally close their eyes or cover them with the palm of their hands. You've often seen pictures of Jews like this. This was to keep out distractions when they were praying so that they could think and concentrate on the words of the Shema. That's another thought for us. We should cut out and not be distracted when we're praying and consider the Lord God to whom we are in actual fact praying 
Now there are a couple of complicated little things about the Jews and about this Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The final word is one on that. And it starts off with here. The last letter of the first word and the last letter of the last word are usually written in larger print in their prayer book. One explanation for this is because these letters form another word, E and D, ed, meaning witness. Witness. And it reminds Jews of their duty to serve as witnesses to God's sovereignty by leading holy lives. Each time they pray this, morning and evening, they are reminded that they should be witnesses by the way they live. How much more so we as Christians should take the words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he led his disciples out to the Mount of Olives. He said in Acts 1 verse 8, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We're to be witnesses. A witness is one who declares what he has seen, and declares it to be the truth. And that's what we are called to be. Witnesses of the saving and keeping power of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 Paul says that we are ambassadors. Ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? He relates the messages that he has from the government of the country from which he comes. He's not interested in the political affairs of the country to which he has been sent, but he declares what his government would want him to declare to the government of and the people of the land in which he has been sent to serve. And that's what we have to do as Christians. We take no thought of the affairs of this world. We are here as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ to declare his law and what he wants the people in this country to believe we're witnesses for him and we're ambassadors because we have seen a few weeks ago our citizenship is in heaven I want my life to tell for Jesus that everywhere I go I may his goodness show I want my life to tell for Jesus. We're to be witnesses. This gets a little bit complicated. I was reading what another of the rabbis said about the way the letters of the first and last words of the Shema were larger than the rest. We have to concentrate on this. This is a little bit difficult. He thought the letters 
being larger teach us that any small deviation could pervert the meaning of a text so we had the first word which was S-H-E-M-A and the last word which was E-C-H-A-D now I'll go on before I go on any further we see around us in many cases teachers who are not worried about small little details like that they use all sort of paraphrases of the Bible and uh, translations interchanging them with a plan and don't care whether they, the, uh, the translation is accurate or not if it suits what they want to say they will use any particular translation to support some doctrine which they wish to push beware when you see multiple translations being used not always wrong to use them but beware when you see them slipping in different translations all the time in order to prove a point just be careful Rick Warren is one of these chaps who does this but going back to the Shema if one would read the word Shema as it has the last the last letter is A-Y-I-N the 11th letter of the Hebrew alphabet it finishes with that but if you were just to change the last letter to the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet Aleph just by doing that one change of one little letter and both these letters are silent letters when you pronounce the word so by somebody saying it you wouldn't know which letter in actual fact he had said the silent you wouldn't notice the difference but it would make all the difference to the meaning of hear O Israel the Lord our God is one the difference it would make would be a word meaning perhaps perhaps O Israel the Lord our God is one just by slipping in the wrong letter at the end of the first word and he was saying we have to be so careful how we put in the little things in life without doubt he would put in something which would cast doubt on the accuracy of the statement and we go to the last letter of the last word E-C-H-A-D if you change that there are two letters in the, in the Hebrew alphabet called Daled which looks like a seven see an awful lot of difference in it when I looked at the other letter in the Hebrew alphabet which, which also looks like a 7 R-E-I-S-H look at them they both look like our letter 7's 
And if the scribe, when he was doing that, put in just a slightly thicker line when he was making the uh, dalid, it could look like a riash. And you know what? It would make all the difference to the word. Instead of meaning one, it meant other. And if they incorporated both those mistakes into that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one, what you would have got would be perhaps, O Israel, the Lord our God is another God. And he said we should be very careful. And he thinks the reason why these letters were written large was to make sure that the little things he said all of us should be so careful with every word every gesture and every action because in life the smallest differences make all the differences in the world but more importantly as we explain and teach the truths of scripture let us be constantly aware that the slightest move away from the word of God which doesn't seem to be important cannot be condoned no compromise should ever be entertained this verse was a witness to the world as to what the Jews believed they did not worship idols they did not worship many gods pantheism they were taught not to be ashamed of what people thought about their beliefs about how they dressed their diet all their life was to be geared towards the glory of God and what about us Paul could say I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ hear O Israel the Lord our God is one and you know by the way this doesn't affect the Trinity it's not talking about the fact that there are not three persons in the Trinity because 1 John 5 we, in verse 7 we say for there are three that bear witness a record in heaven the Father, the Word and the Holy Ghost and these three are one and you know we have that truth expect, expressed in Genesis 1.26 when God said let us make man in our own image and so to sum up the Jews were not ashamed to nail their colours to the mast and many of the Orthodox Jews still stand for these Old Testament doctrines you know sadly they still look forward to the coming of the Messiah I read how one rabbi recently wrote that a clear sign of the imminent redemption is the rebuilding of housing in Jerusalem. I thought this was amazing and yet it was very sad. The world will be demanding housing in the holy city. If one visits Jerusalem today 
he will see tremendous boom in housing. And he said this was a true sign that the city is getting ready to accommodate the great demand that is about to arrive. That saddened me actually. But it also touched my heart and my conscience. Do I look forward with the same expectation that this rabbi has to the coming again of my Savior to take us to be with himself? For the Jewish nation, the coming of my Savior for the church will usher in a time of great tribulation for this world, but more so for the Jewish nation. Pray for those seeking to bring the gospel to the Jews and also for the proclaiming of the gospel faithfully throughout the world. Pray that they, that we all will be given wisdom. And here's what it says in Ephesians. See that we walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. What does redeeming the time mean? To make wise and sacred use of every opportunity we have to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. That God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, Paul says in Colossians. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, those outside the church, redeeming the time making sacred use of every opportunity. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Salt always has a purifying effect that ye may know how ye ought to answer to every man. Amen.